morning meeting, Brother Lance Carpenter and I was together in a little camp meeting and uh, a little revival that broke out into a camp meeting, really. And uh, I preached. I had him to sing three different songs while I was preaching. Now, if you can imagine that, I'm preaching and then he's singing songs while I'm preaching. And I dealt with the ministry of music. And God honored that and blessed us. And so you just check the tapes out after the service. And I want to say again, I appreciate the opportunity of being here. And uh, just a couple of days ago, Brother Joe called from here at Greer, and uh, it said, Reverend Billy Kelly. And I said, my goodness, Barb. I said, Brother Billy's calling. I said, get that number on the caller ID, because I'm going to need it. I said, I need that number where he's calling from. And uh, like Brother Joe said, he's already booked, couldn't be here this week. But we'll, we'll be with him before, before long. Jesus is coming soon. And I thank you again for allowing us to come. Now, if I act like I'm tired, I am tired. I preached twice yesterday, preached last week outside, one night with Brother Boatner, or one morning with Brother Boatner. And then, uh, you, how many have never heard Brother LeVon Boatner? You've never heard him preach? I'm telling you, if you don't come back, you're going to miss a real blessing. I've been knowing this man for over 20 years, maybe 21 years. We met way out there in Arkansas years ago. And uh, he's one of my favorite preachers. And uh, you better be here tonight and every night of the meeting or you'll miss a real blessing. Brother LeVon Boatner. And he's from down in Mississippi. Down in, down in the flat bottoms down there. Down in Mississippi. Now, I'm going to give you just a little story and then I'm going to preach the message. This is how the Lord gave me this message. <clears throat> I was in a motel a couple of weeks ago. I spent about 48 weeks a year in motels and prophets' quarters. And while I was there, I was uh, reading. I often take books with me and things and I was reading. And I came across this, this story. It's a true story. I was reading, and it was dealing with this, this parent, and it was a single parent, and uh, it was a dad. And this dad was, could not raise his own son. He could not, because of reasons that just dictated that he couldn't, he couldn't raise his own son, and he had to choose somebody else to raise his child. Now, many of you probably thought about that, and if you've got young children, you need to think about it. If something wants to happen to you and your wife, who's going to raise your children? And you better think about that. You need somebody that, that is saved and born again, living for God. And uh, that's something to really think about. And as I read this story, and it really touched my heart as I was sitting there in the motel room, I began to notice about that father and his choice as he began to, to search out somebody to raise his son. I noticed his choice. And as I looked at that, he was not looking for a, a family that was wealthy, but he was looking for a family that had wisdom. A family that had wisdom. And he wasn't looking for a family that had money, necessarily. You know what some of us would do? We'd look, out for, a, we'd look for a rich family that might be able to send our, our son or daughter to the uh, university so they could get a degree and go on and make it big in life. But this, this dad was looking for somebody that had morals. Morals instead of money. And uh, he, he made a right choice. And then there's something else. He was looking for character. He was looking for character. One that could teach his, his, his own son, his only son, how to respect the poor. And then how the principle of, uh, of treating others in the right way. And how to turn the cheek toward your enemies. And in other words, he was looking for, for a family that had character in it. Real character. And then this father was looking for consideration. By that I mean he was not looking for somebody with positional power or political clout 
or somebody that was renowned or a ruler or wealthy or rich. He was looking for somebody that would fill the bill of goods that could raise his son in the right way. And so that brings us to Matthew chapter number 1. And you already know what I'm going to preach on. I'm preaching this morning with the help of God on a fit father. A fit father, or if you will, a fit family. I'm talking about God Almighty choosing somebody to raise His only begotten Son. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought more, more than just about Mary? And the Bible said that she was highly favored among women. But you know what's been left out in that story? And there's a little ringing in this. If y'all can correct it, I'd appreciate it. And they're working on it. I can't stand that ringing. Alright? Not much is said about Joseph. You, you don't hear much preaching about Joseph, the foster father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we make much of Mary. The Catholics make too much of Mary. And uh, I don't believe the Baptists make enough of Mary. She, she was God's chosen vessel, vehicle to bring His only begotten Son into this world. But what about Joseph? What about the foster father that God chose to raise His only begotten Son? Now, what kind of dad would you have chosen to raise your child? And when we look at this in Matthew chapter 1, this is familiar scripture, but I believe the Lord will bless it if we'll read it again and have an open heart. In Matthew chapter 1, verse number 18, the Bible said, you say, preacher, this is Christmas verses. Oh no, these verses are good every day. The Bible said in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together. Now most of you know that word espoused right there is the same word as betrothed. They were not married yet as far as the marriage being consummated and there being a marriage ceremony. They were only engaged. They were only engaged. And the Bible said before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then the Bible said in verse 19, Then Joseph, her husband. Now you say, wait a minute, preacher Satan. The Bible calls Joseph her husband. But you need to understand. During that year's betrothal, in those days, there was a year's betrothal or a year's engagement. During that time, they were allowed to call each other husband and wife, even before the marriage was consummated. And here, the Bible said, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, he was a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. To put her away privately. But while he thought on these things. Now, can you imagine what's running through the mind of Joseph as he's thinking on these things? Brother Boatner, surely. I mean, he's like all the rest of us. He, he's a man of like passions. I guess Joseph is thinking, how could my beloved, how could my darling, how could Mary... Be unfaithful to me. How could she get with some other man and, and be with child? You see, Joseph doesn't know yet that the child that she's carrying is of the Holy Ghost. And uh, he was such a just man and an honorable man, he was going to put her away privately and not make a public example out of her. But the Bible said, But while he fought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, 
thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. That's what the angel told Joseph in a dream. And she shall bring forth a son. And thou, it was Joseph that was to name the young boy. And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And you know that's Isaiah chapter 7, verse number 14. But in verse 24, Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and he took unto him his wife, and knew her not, till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called, and he called his name Jesus. I want to preach this morning on a fit father, or, or, or fit parents, if you will, or the ones that God chose to bring forth His Son and then to raise His Son in this world. Now, I know that God did not have to search. God did not have to search and look high and low. It was known from the foundation of the world under God who would bring forth. He knew it would be Mary, and He knew that Joseph would be the foster father. But in our mind, and in our way of thinking, God is looking for the right young couple that He can trust to bring up His only begotten Son. Now, think about it. Who would you choose, friend? I mean, if you had only one child, and you were not going to be able to raise that child, what kind of parent would you seek out? What kind of person would you want to raise your son? I tell you what I'd want. I'd want somebody that knew God, somebody that loved the old-time way, and somebody that would bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Now, I believe that when God chose Joseph, not much is said about Joseph. All the emphasis is put upon Mary. But when I think about Joseph, I want to say, number one, and this is very elementary, and then we'll go eat that barbecue. Number one, I believe Joseph was a saved father, if you will. A saved young man in our concept or our way of thinking. Now, I know the Lord's not been born yet. I know He's not went to the cross yet. And the blood's not been shed. And His blood's not been put on the mercy seat yet. And the middle wall of partition has not been tore down yet. I know that. But I'm going to tell you, Joseph was a believer in the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I believe Joseph was a saved young man, friend. And that's the kind of young man that God was looking for to raise His only begotten Son. Don't you believe that? Well, I believe that with all of my heart. I believe Joseph, if you let me use that terminology, he was born again. He was a new creature, if you will. Why, he 
believed in the things of God. He was faithful in going to the house of God. That's right. He wasn't in and out and up and down and on and off, friend. He was consistent in his daily living for God. And not only that, I believe Joseph was broke from sin. He had been broken from sin. In other words, by that, I'm trying to say he was not a backslidden daddy. He wasn't uh, a dad that was, uh, you know, cussing one day uh, and a singing Amazing Grace one day. Uh, but he had been broken uh, from his sinful lifestyle. Uh, and he had put his trust uh, and his faith uh, in God Almighty. Wouldn't that be the kind of dad you'd want to raise your child? Wouldn't that be the kind of family you'd want? A safe family? Hey, God didn't care how much money they had. Uh, God wasn't looking for money. He was looking for morals. He wasn't looking for clout. He was looking for character, friend. Amen. And that's exactly what he found in Mary and in Joseph. Joseph was a saved young man. But then, number two, I believe God was looking for a spiritual young man. Did you know you can be saved and not be spiritual? You can be saved and not be spiritual. Now, a lot of people think, well, I'm saved and I am spiritual. Now, wait a minute. When you get saved, you're sealed under the day of redemption by the Holy Ghost. You'll never be unsaved once you get saved. But just because you're saved, that doesn't mean you're filled with the Spirit of God. There's a lot of people today that are saved, but they're not filled with the Spirit of God. And you know what we think? You know, a lot of us think, well, so-and-so's filled with the Spirit of God. Why, he shouts the loudest, and he prays the hardest, and he jumps as high as anybody I've ever seen. That doesn't mean you're filled with the Spirit of God, friend. Well, I've seen people shout, and I've seen them jump and run around the church, and three weeks later be run off with somebody else's wife. That doesn't mean you're Spirit-filled, friend. Oh, no. But you know what Paul said in Ephesians? He said, Grieve not the Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed into the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Now, there is a Spirit-filled man or woman that's put away those things out of their life. And you know what the Bible said in Galatians chapter 5? But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance. That is the fruit of the Spirit, friend. Now, there's a lot of saved people, but there's not as many spiritual people as we might think. I believe with all of my heart, young Joseph was a spiritual young man. And you say, preacher, how can you come to that conclusion? Well, number one, Joseph knew the Lord. He knew the Lord, friend. And not only that, Joseph knew the Holy Ghost. Amen. I mean, there in verse number 20, when the Bible said, Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. He didn't back up and act like man alive. I've never heard that word before. Seems to me that Joseph was familiar with the terminology Holy Ghost. Amen. And there's some Baptists that's afraid of that terminology. Amen. 
I'm telling you, I believe Joseph was a spirit-filled young man. He was acquainted with the Holy Ghost. And not only that, Joseph had heard the gospel message. He knew something about the gospel, friend. Why, he knew about it right here in Matthew one twenty-one. The Bible said, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Don't you still believe that? When you get saved, God saves you from out of a, a sinning, habitual lifestyle. Amen. And He'll make you a new creature. I didn't say you was perfect. I didn't say you were sinless. I'm telling you, He breaks the chains of sin that have you bound. And He sets you free. Amen. And I believe Joseph was a spiritual young, young father. And Joseph knew something about the Scripture. He knew something about the Scripture. Because the angel here, right, the angel brought to his attention Isaiah chapter 7 and verse number 14. And it didn't take Joseph by surprise. He knew something about that Old Testament Scripture. You think God would choose a young man to raise his son that didn't know a thing about the Old Testament, didn't know a thing about the Bible? I stand amazed at some of these Christian parents, their young children, Children will get up and they'll begin to say Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and Joshua and Judges and Ruth and First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings. And boy, those parents will say, "That's my boy. That's my girl. They know the books of the Bible." And you know what I've been doing lately? I look at the parents and I say, "Can you quote them? Do you know them?" And they'll say, "Uh, uh, well." I say, "Do y'all know where the Book of Hezekiah is?" Yeah, I think it's over there in the Old Testament. Hezekiah. Hezekiah's not a book, friend. Hezekiah was a king. I'm telling you, I'm listen, God would have bypassed many of us if he was looking today for somebody to raise his only begotten son. Sometimes, sometimes Christians, the only time they pick up their Bible is on Sunday morning and they'll leave it at church and forget it for two weeks and not even know where they've left it. Get a hold of some Christians' Bibles and you know what you find? Guns. And you'll find uh, old light bills. And you'll find uh, baby locks of hair. And then you'll find a four-leaf clover stuck in the Word of God. God have mercy on your pitiful soul. If you're that ignorant and put a four-leaf clover in the Bible and think that's going to bring you good luck, why, you probably got a horseshoe right up over your barn door, don't you? I hope that sucker, I hope that nail rusts in two and that horseshoe hits you in the top of the head and Knock some sense into you. You say, well, I tell you, I got a buckeye in one pocket and I got a, I got a rabbit's foot in the other and that's going to bring me good luck. No, that one rabbit's foot tells me there's a rabbit out there with three feet and it's not going to bring you any good. Joseph knew something about that Old Testament, friend. That Old Testament. Now, some of you daddies in here, listen to me. Listen to me. Some of you moms, some of you moms know more about soap operas than you, knew, you know about the minor prophets in the Bible. Amen. Now it's hot. It's going to get hotter, so you might as well get ready. 
And some of you daddies know who won the race. You know, you know, listen, you're, you know about Dale Earnhardt. There's somebody the other day made a stupid statement. It's almost blasphemy. They said the number three stand on Dale, Hart's, Dale Earnhardt's side of his car stood for God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. I said, you're a blooming idiot. I said, you're, you're, you, they could set you out and you'd grow. You're a blooming idiot. And all that Rudd and Wallace and whoever else they are, you know the standings, you know who's a winner, and you know who's not the most home runs, and you know the batting average, and you know all about this and all about that. Hey, have you ever taught your children anything about the Word of God? Amen. I'm trying to get you to see God chose Joseph. Because he was a spiritual young man. I believe Joseph, really with all my heart, I believe Joseph was faithful in taking the Lord Jesus to church on a regular basis. I believe they went to the temple every Sabbath. And I believe every year, I know they did, every year, they'd go up for the Feast of Tabernacles. You ever read over there in Luke? Let's see if we can find it. We're in Matthew. Next book over in Mark. Then we come to Luke. Luke chapter number 2. Luke chapter number 2, verse 41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the beginning, or excuse me, at, at the Bible said at the feast of the Passover. Do you see how Joseph was faithful in setting an example before the Lord Jesus Christ? He took him to church. He didn't send him on the church bus. He took him to church. Amen. And here you see how Joseph was a spiritual father. I believe he set the standard for Bible reading. I believe when Jesus got old enough to read. Now, you've got to understand, the Bible said Jesus grew. This is hard on my mind. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature. That means he grew from an infant to an adolescent child to a young teenager uh, to a young adult till he was 30 years old and began his public ministry. Jesus did not come into the world full grown. He came into the world as a little bitty baby, friend. And, and I believe when he got old enough to read, you know what I really believe his first words out of his mouth were? I don't believe that Jesus said, Joseph... And I don't believe he even said, uh, Mama Mary. I believe the first words that ever come out of Jesus' mouth uh, were something like this. Abai, Father. Abai, Father. Amen. I really do. And as he began to get old enough to read, uh, I believe there was a copy of the Old Testament. There were some of the scrolls there. Uh, and he was familiar. He, he, was not, oh, he not only read the Word of God, he was the Word of God. And I believe Joseph set that standard in that household. Took Jesus to church. I believe he taught Jesus about tithing. Yeah. Amen. Don't just go and get hot. Taught his, I believe he taught Jesus about tithing, how it was right. You say you're trying to put us back under the law. That's all you understand about your Bible. That Abraham paid tithes 430 years before the law ever came into existence. He paid tithes under Melchizedek, friend. And then I believe that Joseph taught the Lord about how to be a soul winner and how to, uh, uh, to love others and the down and outers and, and how to love God. You see, the Lord grew in wisdom and in stature. That's right. 
Now, and this, this is a little kind of touchy right here. But when Jesus comes into this world, friend, by the way, remember now, let, let's go a little further and you'll see this. Not only was Joseph a saved young man, not only was he a spirit-filled young man, but I believe Joseph was a submissive young man. Submissive. He was a submissive father. You say, what are you talking about? Number one, he surrendered his will to God Almighty. You know what his will was? Joseph's will was, I'll put Mary, my beloved, I'll put my darling away privately. You see, during that one year's betrothal, if either one become unfaithful, they could grant them the bill of divorcement. That was what was called the fornication. And it was during that year's betrothal. Don't try to use that to get out of your marriage, friend, after you've done said I do. You're, you're, you're misconstruing the Scripture. Amen. And uh, he surrendered his will. The Bible said in Joseph, her husband being a just man and willing, uh, uh, not, and not willing to make her a pri- private, a public example, was minded to put her away privately. And the Bible said, and he knew her not. Do you see that in verse number 25? Until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. I tell you, Joseph surrendered his will. He said, God, I'll bear the shame. I'll bear the reproach. What do you think they said out the carpenter shop? What do you think they were saying, friend, throughout all of Jerusalem, out at the marketplace? I mean, they're not even married yet, and Mary is showing with child. And you know what they called the Lord, don't you? They said, we be not born to fornication. They implied the Lord was a bastard child. They said, we be not born to fornication. They said, you are a Beelzebub. And they said, you are a Samaritan. And I tell you, Joseph had to be willing to bear that shame. And that reproach, he surrendered his will to the will of God Almighty. Amen. He was going to put her away. God said, the Lord said through that dream, don't you do that now. Don't you be afraid to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And I can see Joseph. Can't you see after he woke up? You know what I believe he did? I believe he ran straight to Mary. You see, I believe Mary had already told him about the dream that she'd had. And Joseph probably thought, what's wrong with Mary? Well, who's ever heard of such a thing like this? Of a virgin never knowing a man and going to give birth to a child. My, my wife, my spouse, must have been unfaithful. But once that angel showed up to Joseph and explained to him that, what, that the one she was carrying was of the Holy Ghost, I believe Joseph ran right to Mary. I believe they held hands and clapped hands and shouted. And Joseph said, it'll be all right, Mary. I know now you've not been unfaithful. I know now that the Holy Ghost overshadowed you. And you're carrying the very Son of God Almighty in your womb. He surrendered His will. But not only that, I'm talking about He's was submissive now. He succumbed to authority. He succumbed to God's authority. And He simply obeyed the voice of God. That Bible said in verse 24, Then Joseph, being raised from the sleep, did... Watch it now. He did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him. He did it. Do you see that? He was submissive. He was submissive to the Word of the Lord. That's a fit parent right there, friend. That's a fit mama or a fit daddy. That'll just be submissive and not argue with the man of God, not argue with the Word of God, but will just submit to divine authority. 
Joseph did that. He simply obeyed God. And not only that, I want to say this right here. He secured Mary. He secured her. You say, what are you talking about? Verse 21, that angel said, Fear not to take unto thee Mary, thy wife, for that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Ghost. He secured her. He didn't put her away. And she's with child now. And a couple of months, it's, it's showing. And I don't know how long they were along in their betrothal. And neither do you. The Bible doesn't say. They might have just been betrothed two months. So that would leave seven months before they got married. And when they walked down the wedding aisle, she was really showing then, wasn't she? She was really... I wonder, wonder how many showed up for that wedding. Get your head up. It ain't time for you. I wonder how many showed up for that wedding. I bet they said, my, my, we're not going to that wedding. Lord, she's been unfaithful. And we thought she was such a good, spiritual young lady. My Lord, and Joseph is going to marry her. He could have put her away. He must be the one that's fathered this. He must be the one that's fathered this child. He's going to... They've had a relationship outside the bond of marriage. Nobody probably showed up for this marriage. But I tell you who attended this marriage. I believe God the Father attended it. And I believe God the Holy Ghost attended it. And I know God the Son was there. Amen. He was inside the womb of Mary. And if nobody else showed up, thank God the Trinity was there. Amen. I see here He secured Mary. He said, honey, I don't care what nobody else says. I don't care about how they say slurring words. and I don't care about the off-colored jokes they say about us. It's all right, Mary. It's all right. Amen. I kind of like it myself. I believe she'd say, come over here, Joseph. Put your hand right here, Joseph. Can you feel it? He's a-kicking. He's a-kicking. I remember, I remember when Barb was scaring Rebecca. I was scared to death. And she was scaring our firstborn. And when that, and listen, the, Rebecca hadn't moved, hadn't kicked. Barb was worried. She was scared to death. Something had happened. And finally, Rebecca went to kicking. And she ain't stopped kicking yet. She's about six foot tall. And Barb said, lay your hand over here. And I put my hand on Barb's belly. And I felt something go on. And I said, Lord, there's something in there moving. She said, that's Rebecca. That's our baby. That's the baby. Can you imagine G- G- Joseph laying his hand on the belly of Mary? And Mary said, just feel that. Just feel that. And little Jesus was a-kicking inside there. Amen, friend. And he knew her not. There was no, listen, no illicit relationship. Even after they married, friend, even after he secured her and he married her, he never did touch her in an intimate way until she brought forth her firstborn child. It's better than some of us did. It's better than some of you did. Put your head up. That's right. He was submissive. He was a submissive young man. Oh, Joseph. I kind of like him. Not much is said about him now. I tell you number four, what I believe too, I believe Joseph was a separated young man. You can, you can bet your boots or, or you can bet your uh, sandals or whatever you're wearing. You can bet your J.C. Penney's or whatever you've got on your feet. You can, you can take it to the bank. He was a separated young man. 
You think God was going to pick some whirling? You think God was going to pick some uh, backslidden, uh, I tell you, in and out, up and down, on and off, church member to raise his only begotten son? No, Joseph was a, he was not a Pharisee. He was not a holier than thou. But he was a separated, clean young man that God chose to raise his only begotten son. And I like that. I believe young men still ought to be clean. I believe young women still ought to be clean. I'm going to tell you something. All you, all you daddies, you want your son to marry a virtuous girl. You want that girl to be able to walk down that aisle in white. And every dad that's got a daughter, he wants that boy to be able to walk down that aisle. As a virgin young man too, friend. Sure. So I, I see here. You say, how do you know he's separated? I know this much. He had control of his flesh. He had control over his flesh. I don't mean this in any distasteful way or any uh, uncouth way. But they had planned on their marriage. They had dreamed about the wedding night for the boatner. And they dreamed about their honeymoon. And they were engaged and they were betrothed. But he had control of his flesh. He said, Mary, I'll not touch you. I'll not even touch you. Till God let you bring forth His only begotten Son. I like that. He had control of His flesh. And not only that, He was willing to care for somebody else's child. Just like this couple here. Just like this couple here taking care of these young people. You're talking about a burden, friend. You talk, hey, you, you, most of us don't know what burdens are all about. Like the McGill family carries for these girls and now these young men and then wanting to build a place for burnout pastors and evangelists. I hope they'll add evangelists there because I'm headed that way quick. You know what I'm saying? I, I hope somebody will build a retirement home for evangelists because I'm headed there. And you know, hey, they're, they're, and they're caring for other people's children. You know what Joseph was willing to do? He looked up to heaven and he said, God... God Almighty, Heavenly Father, I'll do my best to raise your only begotten Son. Now, can you imagine? You know the Christmas story. She's with child, and they're, they're headed out of town because of Herod. Herod's going to have all the young children put to death. And you remember there was no room in the inn. So there's out there in a, evidently in a stable. Out there in a cow stall. And out there was the straw. And there was swaddling clothes. They said that's what they used to wipe down the animals with. And Mary brought forth her firstborn child. Who do you reckon cut the cord? Who do you reckon took the scissors or the little sharp knife and cut the cord? I believe it was Joseph. I believe Joseph held baby Jesus. And he took that swaddling clothes. And he said, God, I wish we had better. I wish we had better, but there was no room in the inn. And, and we're doing the best we can. And he began to wipe down little baby Jesus. Under God, I've got goosebumps on me big enough a hog could suck on me. And there's the little bitty hands and little fingernails. Wipes out the little eyes and cleans out his little mouth. And there's a little bitty, why? Why? I mean the voice that spoke the worlds into existence. The voice that spoke the galaxies and the universe into existence was confined to a little baby's voice. And little hands that flung the universe into space. The little hands were now just little hands. And that little body, there he was. The Son of Almighty God. Joseph is holy. I'd like to believe Joseph. 
put a kiss on his forehead and said, I'm glad God the Father chose me to be your earthly father. And I'm going to do my best to raise you the best I can. Glory to God. <laughs> Amen. Wrapped him up in swollen clothes. Had him over there to Mary. There's Mary, the very one that gave her life. She's now holding in her hands. Huh? As she began to rock him backwards and forward. Mary's rocking deity. Under God, she's rocking deity. She begins to sing a lullaby to him from the Psalms. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down. Amen. Them little hands, them little eyes. Oh, dear God in heaven. I'm telling you, God chose a fit family to raise His only begotten Son. And you know what Joseph, Joseph's occupation was? He wasn't a mayor. He, he, he wasn't the president of some school. He was not a, a professor. He was not a, a governor. But he was a carpenter. Just a carpenter. Who better fitted to raise the Son of Almighty God? Because <laughs> Jesus was the greatest architect that had ever lived. <laughs> Can you imagine as Jesus gets a little older now? Four or five maybe. Can you imagine the first piece of furniture he ever made? And Joseph said, now, son, you, you hold that little dowel rod and them little nails like, like this, son. You take the hammer and the mallet and you drive it in. And can you see Joseph stand back and he watches Jesus doing such a good job? And they all, both of them knew this was a special child. Never talked back. Never disobeyed. Went to bed on time. Got up on time. <laughs> had devotions every day. <laughs> Treated everybody right. <laughs> Special child. And he, uh, he taught him a trade. The Bible said, they said in Mark 6, 3, they said, is not this the carpenter's son? Sure was. Sure was. He's the carpenter's son. Hallelujah. Somebody said he took two pieces of wood and three nails and built a bridge from earth to glory. And said, whosoever will, let him come. With one hand he reached up and laid hold of deity, with the other hand he reached down and laid hold of depravity, and he tied a knot in the middle and said, whosoever will, let him come. Let him come. The divine architect. He taught him a trade. He taught him a trade. Now, I'm not, I need help here. Dr. Melvin Aikens here. You know, well, I, I, I don't find Joseph. You only find him mentioned a few times in the Scripture. You find him mentioned again in Matthew 2.13. And when they departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in the dream. Again, said, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child and destroy him. And when he arose, he took the young child. He did. He did. Then in Matthew chapter 2, But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel. And he arose and took the child. And he did. He did. He did. And then in Luke chapter number 2, in Luke chapter 2 where we were a while ago, it's really the last mention of Joseph in a sense. You'll find Jesus is 12 years old. And they've gone up there. They've gone up to the temple. They've gone up there in Luke chapter number 2. For, to, to Jerusalem for the Passover. 
And Jesus is 12. They've been going ever since he was born. Every year, for 12 years, they've been going. But this time, they thought him to be among the company, and they went a day's journey, and they couldn't find him. They thought him to be among the family. And they began to weep and cry. And when they found him, they found him in the temple. And, and he was sitting there astounding the doctors, the, the scribes, and the Pharisees. And the Bible says that they said unto him, in verse 47, And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and his and answers. I believe those scribes and Pharisees said, uh, Young man, you sure do know a lot. And uh, we've never met a young man that knows the Torah or the Old Testament as well as you do. And uh, it seems like you've committed every bit of it to memory. And, uh, young man, can you, would you mind answering a few questions for us? He said, yeah, I'd be glad to. They said, how old are you? He said, on my mama's side, he said, I'm 12. But he said, on my daddy's side, before Abraham was, I am. And they said, now, wait a minute, son. He said, I'm telling you, before the sons of God ever sang for joy, I always have been. I'm the son of I am. I'm telling you, hey, friend, he was God in the flesh. Oh, yes. They say, where'd you get all this knowledge? Well, he said, I've been reading the Torah, the Old Testament, since I've been able to read. But beyond that, he said, I am the Word. I am the Word. That's what he said. I am the Word. Just blow people's minds. And you don't hear much of Joseph after chapter 12. Many theologians, many men I read behind, many Puritan writers, many godly men believe that Joseph died while Jesus was still a teenager. You never hear of Joseph anymore in the Scriptures. Surely if Joseph had been alive, he'd have been there at the, 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 the Last Supper. Surely he'd been there. Surely he'd been with Mary standing beside Jesus as he was being crucified. There's no more mention of him in the Scripture. Now I'm going to, I'm going to fantasize here for a minute. But no more mention of him in the Scripture. So I, I'm going to presume that, that Joseph died early in the Lord Jesus' life. Evidently, maybe while he was still yet just a teenager, sometime after he was 12, Joseph must have died. And uh, you do know that Jesus had siblings. He, he had brothers and sisters. After Jesus was born, Joseph and Mary had other children. And we, we'd call them the half-brothers and sisters of the Lord. They even thought he was mad one time. They, even thought, they thought he was crazy. And... Uh, I can see now Mary's crying, Mary's weeping. And Joseph is bad off. He's at the house. He's dying. And I can almost in my mind see Mary go out there and she calls all the children in. And she said, uh, your, your dad wants to talk to all of you one by one. He wants you all to come in one by one. And Jesus, he wants you to come in last. And I can see those siblings. I can see those other, other brothers and sisters go walking in. And Joseph kisses them and he tells them he loves them. All those things that you'd say to your children. And then I can see Mary standing there as Jesus comes walking in. And I can see Jesus take his arms and put them around his mother Mary. And he said, Mama, I know you don't really believe this, but I know how you feel. Because I'm touched with the feeling of your infirmities. And uh, I want you to know I love you, Mama. And I'm going to go here and talk to my foster father. I'm going to talk to Joseph. 
Can you imagine Joseph laying on the bed, rest up his hands? And he welcomed Jesus to come over there. Now see Jesus, he's over there. And I can almost see the Lord kneel down. And he plants a kiss up on the forehead of Joseph. And he probably, and he may have said this. He may have said, Foster father, Joseph, you've done a good job in raising me. And I'm glad my father chose you to be my father. And you've done such a good job in raising me. And I'm glad my father didn't let nobody else raise me but you. You've taught me to be a good carpenter. You've taught me how to be a good young man. And I want you to know, earthly foster father, that my father, my father is going to take care of you. And it's not going to be as bad as you think it is. And I believe you may have kissed him again. And when he walked out the door, Jesus may have turned around and said, Before this night's over, you'll be in Father Abraham's bosom. And it won't be long till I'll be coming to see you. And I'll be coming to get you. And he just walks out the door and waves by. And probably that night, in your own mind, you fix it as you want to. Joseph. Joseph died. Joseph died. And Joseph went on into paradise. Now down there, there's a lot of people. A whole lot of people. But when Jesus hung and bled and died, before he even bled and died, there's already one down there by the name of Simeon. He's an old man, and he come in shouting. He come in a shout, and they said, man, we've been down here, some of us, 4,000 years. What are you shouting about? He said, I've held the baby Jesus in my hands. He's alive and well. I've seen the consolation of Israel. He's alive. I held him in my arms. And about that time, there's a lady goes to shouting behind him, and she's 80-something years old. Her name's Hannah. And she said, I saw him too. Hannah said, I saw him too. There's another man comes walking in. His hairs are blowing in the breeze. Has the kiss of heaven upon him. And he said, I saw him too. And I baptized him. And I raised him up out of the river Jordan. And I heard God speak and say, This is my, oh my, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Here he is. Then there's another one comes walking in. He's screaming and shouting and turning cartwheels and... They said, man, what you so excited about? They said, are you Jesus? He said, no. He said, I'm the dying thief that just got saved. They said, that's him right there behind me. That's him coming right in behind me. And when Jesus come walking into paradise, I'm going to tell you something. I believe, I believe Brother Simeon looked out and said, you know, he's got some of the same features that little baby had. And Anna might have said, Brother Simeon, you know you're right. He got some of the same features that little baby had we saw. But there was another man raised his hand. And said, I won't tell all of you something. That's him. I raised him. I raised him. I cut the cord. I wiped his face. I held him in my hands. I took him to the temple. He's the one that planned a kiss on my cheek. And said, it won't be as bad as you think it is. That's my adopted son. And that's the Lord of glory. I'm talking about a fit parent. Then something here, and you all know this, he had to be of the seed line. Couldn't be just any daddy. Couldn't be just any mama. Had to fit in that lineage. 
Matthew 1 said, one said the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David. The Bible said the son of Abraham. And he said in Matthew 1.16, And Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom, see of Mary, the Holy Ghost, very detailed, of whom was born Jesus, which is called Christ. Amen. He fit in the lineage. Oh, Joseph and Mary. Hey, I kind of I like old Joseph. A whole lot's not been said about him. Not enough credit's been given to him. But you wait till we get to heaven. You might see Jesus kind of walk up and pat a certain man on the shoulder. You might look and say, I, I, I don't believe I recognize him. And the Lord said, let, let me introduce you, church. Let me introduce you, bride, to the one that God chose to raise me as a little old baby. As a young teenager. Hey man, a fit parent. God bless you, Jibro Joe. I'm through.